Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Well, hello, Gravel community. Welcome to another week of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. Uh, this is Catherine, and Christy's out again this week, so I have another very special guest co-host, and we showed up wearing the same thing. Allison Tetrick, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Did we, we didn't even call each other to coordinate our bandanas. I know. We are wearing your bandanas that you just came out with. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this, and, and you're wearing the exact same one. So there's three different patterns, but we, we both chose the, the, the cowgirl cow one. Of course, the yellow cowgirl. It's super cute. So, I mean, tell us the story about these bandanas. Where did they come from? What's the behind the scenes? Yeah, so I, um, I wear a bandana a lot prior to COVID, so I, I don't need any mask arguments here, but bandanas are cool for a fashion statement and for gravel, they actually work quite well to get dust away from your mouth. Um, also, I'm notorious for like a huge like snot ring. Oh, that's Yeah. It goes everywhere in my face. It's not even a ring. It's just like snot splatter paint. Um, and so it's also nice to cover that up or wipe it off. Um, good for keeping you warm in winter, which is actually coming, which is terrifying. But I love bandanas. I do come from like a cowgirl background, so I like to rock it. And I thought, what can I do? I want to design bandanas. And then I realized I have no design skill. So I um, wrote my specialized teammate, Sarah Sturm, who's a rock star cyclocross gravel racer extraordinaire, mountain bikes out of Durango, Colorado. And she designed these. So she actually made these little cowgirls, but the guys can't see. It actually has a braid. So it's like kind of gender neutral, but it's a girl. So we have three different styles. Um, and Sarah from her new company, Oso Creatives, they designed them. And this one is called Giddy Up because it has a Western theme with horses and boots and spurs and cactuses. And then I have another one that's called A Few of My Favorite Things, which has llamas and wildflowers and donuts and pizza and a flask of whiskey. But you can put whatever you want in the flask. And the one called Eternal Summer because some, summer I love and sun. So it has kind of a low hop theme. And so that was a super fun collaborative that I did with Sarah. 
And then the proceeds of the bandanas are for scholarships for women and diversity in the sports. So the first scholarship is going to the NorCal High School Cycling League. And the next one, I'm, I just have gotten that almost done. So now I'm going for the next scholarship and working for with other programs possibly to get more women um, and diversity in our sport by providing funding for inclusivity and opportunity. So it's just been a really fun thing. Yeah. So you can go to your profile on Instagram and go to the link and you can get a really cute bandana and support a great cause. Yeah. And racket. I mean, it's pretty fun. I like the story and everyone seems to like them. And so it's just, you get a handwritten note too, and I'm packaging it myself. So I apologize that they're folded ridiculous. <laughs> That's not I, my strong suit. You posted on your Instagram that Blaze was, your boyfriend Blaze was folding some and they were all perfectly neatly folded and you were folding the other ones. And I definitely got one of yours. Yeah. Well, I, I sealed yours with like love and a kiss, <laughs> but it was not folded well. Um, okay. Let's talk about this for just a second though, because when I was in, um, in Tacoma with my niece who mm -hmm. is four and a half and she has this very long blonde hair, like the child came out with like a full head of hair and it's just like, if you, when you see her, she looks like, like, you know how little kids have that little kid looking hair and she's just got this full luxurious hair. And so I'm taking her bike riding and she only wants to wear her hair down, which is really annoying when you have like a kid out bike riding. And, and I was like, well, there's this bike racer that wears her hair in a braid. We should do a braid. And she's like, I want to see your picture. <laughs> Show her your picture. And she's like, I want a braid. So she rides her little bike with her braid. Um, we go out and ride bikes with her braid. And the whole, like, rest of the two weeks I'm there, she's like, so do you think that girl's going to come ride bikes with me? Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. Yes. She's like, so when your friend comes and rides bikes with me. <laughs> I love it. You sent me a few photos of that power braid, and I was like, yep. I love it. I had a bowl cut growing up, so I don't think I've cut my hair since because I was a little traumatized from like, Oh know. my God, my mom gave me a bowl cut too. And she said, oh, it was just easier for me. That's what my mom says. She goes, but you were cute either way. I'm like, well, I look like a little boy, which nothing's wrong with that, but I did. I was not cute either way. I was not cute at all with that. Well, I was not cute. Oh man. Power yeah. braid is. Um, but the braid in a practical sense Photo shoots, I'll do the free-flowing ponytail, but if I don't braid my hair, it is one huge knot, and I use an entire bottle of conditioner to try to get out whatever, like, rat moved in while I was riding my bike, so the braid is practical. For Lydia, it's more like she stops for snacks like ice cream, and then mm -hmm. it's her hair, <laughs> so I was like, let's put your hair back. <laughs> and I think Lydia and I are about the same. I stop for snacks and get all the food and snot in my hair, too. We don't give her whiskey yet. No, 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 no whiskey. Donuts, pizza. She does love those things. Yes. Donuts, yeah. pizza, ice cream. Basically, yes. any, any good ride fuel. She's a yeah. big fan. Why we ride? <laughs> yeah. Why else would we? Yeah. So I thought it was really fun, though. Like, just that whole idea of having a role model for somebody that's her age to look up to. That, like, this is the girl that rides her bike. Also braids her hair and gets it out of the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> it's, true. it's true. But we talked to somebody today on the podcast that um, 
is very much like that. Like she's thinking about how to make cycling more um, open for future generations. And she was really cool. Yeah, we had a, a great conversation with Heather today. Um, she's ridden over 24 hours on Zwift the last couple weeks. Um, Shammy butter, pass it right now. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, somebody else that was within the Girls Gone Gravel community. I noticed, um, I just kind of started seeing some stuff on her Instagram this summer or this year because she had been um, accepted to ride with the group of women, there goes the dog, with the group of women that are riding the Tour de France the day before the men. So they, this is the second year they've done it, which ironically last year, I don't know if you knew this, but last year, do you remember there was a land uh, mudslide yes. and they closed um, part of the course before the men got there? Mm -hmm. So technically the women rode the whole course last year and the men didn't. Because <laughs> it had already yeah. like, it happened after they went through. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so yeah, she was supposed to go to France and ride with these women from all over the world this year. And of course, COVID. So they did not. 2020. <laughs> the story of 2020. So it was really fun to hear. Uh, well, mostly the podcast is Allie and Heather talking. And I put a few things in every now and then, but it was totally okay. <laughs> so I like talking. I don't know. Who would have thought? <laughs> I took over the podcast. She took over the podcast. I thought it was a takeover. I was like, I have my bandana on. This is Austin situation. Pass you're, me the mic. <laughs> you're used to the Instagram takeovers. It's similar. It's a podcast takeover. And I, yeah. I say a few things every now and then. <laughs> no, it was really fun to have Allie. And it was a great conversation for you to be in having raced um, at the women's pro level. So yeah, Heather had amazing stories, super confident and really passionate about her causes. And what we all are too, is just getting women on bikes, fostering our future generation and finding that fine balance of equality um, with inclusivity. So I thought it was a really great conversation. Um, her hair game was strong too. <laughs> she did have good hair. Yeah. I was jealous. I was like, oh, I should have done my hair better. <laughs> well, I got on and I was like, I think I have makeup on from yesterday. So, you know. Well, I did it to Catherine. Like I had makeup on from an earlier Zoom call and I rode my bike before this podcast and I didn't wash my face because heaven forbid, like I have to put makeup on again. So. <laughs> you never have to put makeup on for me, Allie, but you know. <laughs> I did. <laughs> But I was like, no, I can't do that again today. <laughs> I just forget to take mine off. And I'm like, three days later, I'm like, I think that's still mascara under my eye. Now it looks like eyeliner. Welcome to 2020 or just like every, every day. It's <laughs> <laughs> like every day, every day. Well, well, it was really fun hearing from Heather and the cool things that she is doing, even in the middle of still a global pandemic. So we will get on to our interview with Heather Sautel. Enjoy. Hey, Catherine. I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know. We love Gooders sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like, I got Lance's Afternoon Uppers. And I got Rosé Before Brosé. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce, and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. 
which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Valcorva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like posts a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. Oh, I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> Well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. And I know. Every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome length, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. So we yep. are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, welcome to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. I am very excited to be here with Heather Sautel. Did I say that right, Heather? You did. Good job. I usually have to ask people three times before I start the interview, and I forgot to ask you, um, probably because I have such a thorough co-host today. So I am joined by Allison Tetrick. Hi, Allie. Oh, hello. I'm so excited. I'm getting a little like clammy over here. I know. Allie's nervous to co-host the podcast, even though she's been on a million. Yeah, it's just super exciting to have you on this podcast, Heather. Um, I love Christy, but I'm glad she's out of town this week. So I get a co-host with my dear friend, Catherine, for Girls Gone Gravel. And we are so excited to dive in and le- learn a little bit more about you and share your story to our crowd. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Well, why don't you start out telling us a little bit about your story. Tell us who you are, kind of where you live, and then how you got into cycling, because you look like you do pretty much all of the cycling things. (laughs) Um, I live in Dallas, Texas, and I actually, I grew up in sports. I played um, pretty much everything, but volleyball was sort of my my major uh, discipline. And then I ended up going into running um, as a young adult. And with that, I started doing the sort of cliche thing and got really bad knees and found bikes. And uh, I ordered my first bicycle from State Bicycle on their Black Friday sale. And it was like $200 and it was the surprise model that you got. And uh, I had no idea what I was buying, but you know, it was a single speed and um, I got that and then immediately just hired a coach and got into cyclocross (laughs) and then sort of 
just learned everything about bikes. I, I joined an all women's team and found this amazing community and I fell in love with road and gravel, um, got a mountain bike uh, probably most recently. And uh, I've just been kind of nonstop trying to do everything in it. Track, I mean, it, you, you talk about bikes, I'm like, okay, I wanna try that, I wanna do it. And um, I pretty much have dabbled in all of it except for unicycle. <laughs> I've actually tried that. It was not a positive experience for me, but if it is positive for you, by all means. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll record it and send it to you. I'm sure it would be awful. <laughs> yeah. um, that's just super amazing to hear about falling in love with the bike. Like I had a very similar experience after, so we have a Texas connection. I went to Abilene Christian University, so I flew in and out at DFW and have a lot of very good tennis teammates that still live in the Dallas area. Um, and I had the same thing. I left college and had a competitive edge, took up running, and it turns out you can't run all day, every day. But cycling's much more forgiving on the knees. So it's, <laughs> it's more a fun. Similar trajectory. <laughs> it, is, it is more fun than running. I hate to admit it. I never wanted to say that as a runner, but it's, it's fun. It's a lot more fun. Much further and like see so much more. And I burned more calories as a cyclist than I did as a runner, which a lot of people say they are the opposite, but I feel like I can eat a lot more pizza and stay skinnier. <laughs> and that is one of the reasons to be a cyclist. Exactly. <laughs> so my first question is what's in your glass there? Um, this is water with black cherry juice. Okay. So it looks like it's sangria or wine or something fancier. I don't know. It maybe like a, has like a sangria red wine with ice in it look, but yeah, I guess that's better. What's maybe your after? Ball, Sally? I think it's more exciting. <laughs> DNT. <laughs> I have my uh, bottle of water <laughs> over here. Well, Heather, you um, you've had a well. My first question, I guess, for you is. How did you go from getting a single speed to like, I want to try cycle cross because I feel like that's a quite a, that's not the place that most beginners start with cycling. I know. I, you know, I, I was a spectator with cycle cross. So my, um, my now fiance, but my boyfriend at the time, I used to go to his races and uh, for the first three years of our relationship, he was, uh, he never tried to push me into cycling. It was sort of our, I would go run, he would go bike and we never tried to, make each other do the type of athletic activity that we loved. Um, but I did go to his races and I just remember thinking, this is the wackiest thing I've ever seen. There's people in costumes, there's cowbells and people are running their bike and dismounting and going upstairs. And I just thought it was wild. And um, I, I, I liked the, uh, I think the challenge of it, the physical challenge to me, it looked like something that was very unique and, full body type of a workout. And I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. So my first year doing it, I had a hand-me-down cycle cross bike. It's a red line and it's a men's fit, uh, men's saddle, and it didn't fit me. It's 10 years old. Um, and he raced it in Portland. So you can imagine how rusty it was. <laughs> so uh, I raced that my first year and just to kind of see if I actually did enjoy it and I loved it. So then I upgraded and got my own bike the next year and I just, I, it's my favorite. It's wild. That's so <laughs> Plus, cool. you know, I beer handouts and stuff like that too. I mean, you know, that's, that's also fun and, you know, food handouts. You see people passing out bacon to, to the racer. So 
Yeah. I can get behind the beer and bacon hands. <laughs> I, for being a gravel racer, cyclocross brings everything I hate about cycling into one thing minus the beer and bacon. But the whole, like, it's super short. It's a whole shot. Like, you have to warm up. And then you get cold when you wait for your start. And a lot of times cross has inclement weather. I don't yeah. like that. I don't like mud. I don't like sand. That whole shot's still. And then you like have to get off your bike. And to me, that just like makes the blow your brains emoji like go crazy. Cause I'm like, no, the bike, you're supposed to stay on your bike. So I, I have full respect for anyone that can do cyclocross races. That's awesome. And then you have Embro, you know? which is incredibly painful to wash that off after a race. How do you ever get Embro off? I love Embro until you take a shower. Right, yeah. And then you scream bloody murder. Yeah. It's, I don't even know. Um, I used Embro a lot. Um, so then you race road as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I do uh, crits and road racing here um, in Dallas as well. Um, yeah, love that. Do gravel as well. Gravel is... Gravel and cross are pretty equal for me. So, and it's really, it's funny you brought up the endurance aspect because I love gravel for the endurance. I want to be on my bike all day for, you know, nine hours or 10 hours. And so cyclocross is very different. And I think it's sort of that, the differentiation between the two that kind of creates this really uh, kind of all year type of cycling that I'm able to do. But, you know, we're really lucky here in Dallas because our weather's pretty great most of the year you know our our winters are mild our summers are pretty hot but you just go early and you're good yeah so and you've tried track i did yeah we had a velodrome here and unfortunately they tore it down last year oh so i was i was really excited to try to get to do track and uh try to compete in it and then they they tore it down so that's uh i think the closest one now is up in houston and yeah that's okay. like my worst nightmare that like 30 seconds and you're with all those people going around in a circle i would definitely run into a wall and take every, everybody down everybody would go down yeah so it'll get her back to her fixed gear roots but i i race track um on the team pursuit team never mass start but not having brakes 45 degree embankments um I had splinters in my rear end a few times, but I think that's my current <laughs> tracks. So Heather, we actually really do want to talk to you too about this incredible um, cause that you've done this year. And it's an incredible feat. Um, I, I mean, full like sponsor plug, I am sponsored by chamois butter. So, you know, that's necessary, but I, I hear you've spent a lot of time on Zwift. So and with the international, so I would love to hear about your, quest for equality and, um, you know, spending hours and hours on day on, on Zwift. Yeah, we, um, so the internationals were a team of 10 women around the world. Um, we're all amateur cyclists and our, our ride, our purpose is to ride for equality. So, um, the team started this in 2019 and they went and rode the Tour de France the day before the the pro peloton and so they would go and um, they did every single stage of the tour um and they basically were just writing to say hey look you know we're women and we're capable of doing what men can do why aren't we given this fair opportunity in the sport um 
So this year, in 2020, they asked me to be on the team. I, I know Louise Gibson, she's the team manager, and she actually uh, comes to Texas every now and again, and her fiance lives here, so she comes and met her at one of our local crit races and uh, kind of you know, struck up this friendship with her, and then she asked me to be on the team this year. So unfortunately, with COVID, we had to come up with a plan B option since we were, uh, none of us were able to actually get into France. Um, they weren't allowing any of us in. So um, we went through uh, RGT cycling actually for our first part of our stint, which was uh, riding the distance of the tour together as a team. So we, uh, we rode that each in a two and a half hour stint and did sort of a relay version. Um, and then you literally pass it off to the next person. And so we rode 24 hours, seven, you know, well, 24, four days, not seven days, but um, we did it in under 100 hours. So it was around four days. Um, and then after that, we wanted to do the elevation part of it. So we each did an Everest challenge. And I did mine on Zwift and sat on my trainer in the corner of my living room for 14 hours, which was not as painful as I think I thought it was going to be, but you know. I mean, Everest to me still blows my mind. Um, but so how many hours for this entire cause did you actually spend on Zwift? Oh, gosh. Um, Zwift, I mean, I did the Everest on Zwift, and I personally did it in 1406. Um, RGT, which is very similar to Zwift, they, um, I did that in so four days, so 10 hours on that. So but the team together, I mean, that was 100 hours there. And then the, our Everest Challenge, some of the team members did it outdoors and then some indoors. Um, so on I, virtual, I guess. So overall, virtually, you spent over 20 God. hours. Yeah, a lot. Not <laughs> yeah. on. That's incredible. Within five days. So any tips to our, our listeners on the mental fortitude of virtual riding? Because I know, I mean, days, I don't want to admit it, I really love summer but days are getting shorter people might actually have to start going back to work at one point so we're, they're going to go back to like virtual riding or indoor riding so do you, what's your best tips you can give our listeners on like remaining positive mental fortitude entertainment like personally i like watching suits on zwift like zwift's over <laughs> on separate ipads like suits um so like what are your tips and tricks for indoor riding to, to keep you stimulated I, I love the power of a really good playlist. Um, I need music. I need something that's upbeat and keeps me uh, motivated, kind of positive. Um, I do like my noise-canceling headphones that I'm currently wearing. They're really good because I can't really hear any other distractions that are happening. Um, I don't know. I think, I think also, you know, just keeping your food obviously nearby is pretty convenient. Um, you don't have to literally stop like you do when you're on your bike. So you can kind of put it next to you and keep yourself, you know, just hydrated or having the proper nutrition. But I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a little bit maddening the people who decide to do stuff like virtual centuries and virtual Everesting, you know, it's a, uh, it's probably what I also enjoy the most about gravel riding because I like that mental struggle. That's what's so appealing about it to me is that endurance and being on the bike for so long and kind of going into those dark head spaces. It's hard to pull yourself out, but um, I think just practice. It's got to, it's got to be practice. 
if you could have a friend come and like hang out with you or, you know, maybe send you some pictures or maybe you can just Instagram stories of how you're torturing yourself by choice. That's kind of fun and entertaining. I don't know. You could share it with other people too. Yeah, I think the online, I, I've only used Zwift a few times, but I, I do like the community and people were, you know, texting me or whatever, and I was making friends. It was super funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that's an important part. Like, I think, though, these long distance events always bring out a little crazy, and Catherine and I have talked about that quite frequently, is, I mean, that's kind of what gravel does, too, because they're usually long, monotonous you're by yourself and you hallucinate and see stormtroopers and you have no idea what's, what's going to happen. Happened to you? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't ever, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I, I actually like to see what version of myself I'm going to meet out there. Um, but that's very different because you're coming also from road racing and cyclocross. And after winning DK, people are like, oh, is that the hardest thing you've ever done? I'm like, have you tried a road race? Like at DK, yeah, the first five hours were really hard, but then the rest of the time I'm like just riding my pace, finding all the dark and ugly inside. Like, what am I going to do with my life? My mother's right. I'm going to be like single forever. <laughs> I probably should have never signed up for bike racing. I love bike racing. You know, you go through all those waves of emotion, but as you know, cyclocross and road racing can be really hard. <laughs> like yeah, the level is insane. Yeah, that's what's so great about the sport is, I mean, it's, they're just, each discipline is so uniquely different and how you train for it and how you, you know, how you are when you're in the middle of it and, you know, physically and mentally. And I think that's really, that's sort of fun to kind of test yourself and see where your breaking points are. Yeah, I think that's the, the that's what I think I love most about cycling is there's something for everybody, every body type, mm -hmm. every different physiology, and it's also can just be super recreational and fun, and it's always a challenge, and that's something I really like, but we wanted to talk a little bit about equality with you, so you didn't just spend 24 hours in virtual cycling world because of COVID, you actually did this for a reason, um, and it's pushing um, equality and also fostering the next generation of female cyclists. Uh, so this is hard. I mean, I raced road for a, a long time, like 10, 11, 12 years. I don't know. Road, like for racing so much gravel. And, sorry, Catherine, we are on a gravel podcast, but I raced road a, a lot longer than I raced gravel or ridden gravel. Um, and I, I train on my road bike probably 90% of the time. I am a, a roadie at heart because that was my upbringing also where I live, you know, I have really great roads to ride. So, um, I've definitely suffered from some of the, you know, inequality in women's cycling, like we all are. And this is why we have this podcast. And what I love about gravel is I actually found my people and my people foster community and engagement and different than road, but that's a whole nother story. So what does equality mean to you? And, and why did you join the internationals to to push this equality and what do you want to see in a perfect world 10 years down the line and what can we do immediately about fostering this next generation and getting equality now? That was quite a question. That's a great question. Gosh, that's a wonderful She's question. Smarter than me, so I figured I might as well ask somebody because people ask me this question, I can't answer it. So <laughs> yeah, there's this gosh, I'm like, I feel like I could be here for days trying to answer this because there's so many things that I think that you know, there's so much work being done, but there's still so much work to be done. Um, 
I think there's there's a girl on the team on the internationals, Lucy, and she's one of our girls over in the UK. And she um, she made this statement during our our chat, you know, our, our purpose this year. And she said, "Don't let gender define what you're capable of." And there's just something so powerful about that statement, and something that I think you know is just something that I've believed in my whole life. And I think as women, we're we're always trying to create equality and and any type of environment really. But um, I think with this sport in particular, you know, I think there's, there's so many things you're seeing that are missing right now. Like women don't have the same opportunity as far as the types of races that we're, we're, we're given. You don't see equal payouts. Um, you know, the Tour de France is obviously our big um, event that we work around with the internationals. And when you look at that, you see the men and they have, you know, 21 stages and then you see women only having one and you see that the men are getting paid 500,000 euros and this, the winner gets 17,000, which is just ridiculous. So I think it's just, what do we have to do with that? I think women just, it's like we have to fight and communicate and speak louder and harder and share more than I feel like men do because they're just sort of it's just easily available for them. So does that start with the big organizations like UCI, the ASO? I mean, I think, yeah, they have a lot of money and I know it, it really does come down to money. You know, it's a business at the end of the day. And I know that that's always the answer that you get, but you know, when you give women more opportunities, I think you'll see more sponsorship availability for women. And I think that's really great because you know, working in the marketing background in my, my area of expertise, you're seeing so many more women like you, Allison, and Sarah Sturmey and, um, you know, Ellen Noble. You're seeing these women that are getting these sponsorships and you're starting to see them in just even advertisements and social media. And we need more of that. We need more women that are recognized as cyclists and admired for, you know, what they're doing, what they're accomplishing and not always bring men into that forefront. Um, I think our local sponsors, I'm sorry, our, our local race organizers can be proactive more, even sometimes just, you know, at local city crit racing, for example, you might see that women are having to race in men's fields. Um, when you do stuff like that, it's obviously not wanting women to want to try something that might be new because it can be incredibly intimidating. Um, so it's providing more of those opportunities for women as a whole. So I'm going to ask you another really tough question. Um, and I have raced LaCourse, so I've done the one day tour. It was really cool to race around the Champs-Élysées and all of that. It was also a debacle in so many different ways. Um, but several times I've done LaCourse. Um, props to those women that made that opportunity. It, it just made it extremely, um, I just, it was our biggest race of the year, but it was also like the lamest race we raced all year. Right. But it's on the biggest stage, but the course is like uninspiring because it's just not so, like, you know, there's just all these reasons why, but we race so hard because this is our one opportunity to have this TV coverage, you know, exposure. And it's gotten a lot better with, at least live coverage of world tour, women's world tour events. Um, but my tough question for you, um, because I have a hard time, so I, there's not a right answer and you're not going to offend anybody. And if you do there, that's fine. But um, so your version of equality though, would you rather have like equal pay or equal like exposure or, you know, coverage? 
because it is a business and I have worked on both sides, like with the Amgen of Tour of California or with race promoters and it's really hard. So sponsor dollars are hard to find as we know, but like, would you rather have coverage or equal pay or is it just a has to be a wash? There is no right answer, by the way. Sorry. For me, for me personally, uh, gosh, that's a, that's a good question. I think, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think, I think coverage, you know, that's sort of what I'm leaning on because I feel like with that, it's sort of the first step to get that overall equality that we're still all wanting. Um, you know, you don't like the Giro, you didn't see it and it wasn't live televised anywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's just, creating more awareness, I think, of women in this sport. It's almost like we're living in the dark ages or something. And it's like women can't ride their bike hard like men can. They can't race. They can't do stage tours. And no one wants to watch it because it's boring because it's women and they're just not as aggressive. And I'm like, I don't agree with that. I mean, look at cycle cross last year was so exciting. And the women were getting more coverage than the men for people because they, it was a little bit more exciting, so people were saying. And it's just, I don't know. I think the coverage part of it, I think if you could get that, then I feel like the sponsorships would open up more. The money, you'd see more women being able to do this more full-time and not still have to have, you know, a full-time job, like being a doctor, too. <laughs> you know, they could actually afford to be a pro cyclist. Yeah, I actually, I, I agree with you, but I mean, I'm not just saying that because Catherine asked me that same question probably a couple months ago, right? Um, yeah, when they announced the seven-day tour uh, for the mm-hmm. women that's going to come in 2022, and we yeah. chatted about, like, what's the best thing? Because you're right, like, coverage can lead to so many other. Th- Ideally, we would have both, but that's not going to happen because it's a business. But coverage can lead to so many more opportunities. Yeah. Or it's not going to happen all at once, I should say. If somebody can't watch me race, I mean, luckily we have social media and digital marketing and, you know, all sorts of ways that we can try to connect with an audience. But if somebody can't actually watch me race, then they don't even know. And that was probably the hardest part. When I stepped away from road racing and did gravel, I don't care about coverage as much, but I was, I'm just having a blast. But I would try to stalk all my friends to see what they're doing. And I spent 10, 12 years of my life immersed in this bubble and like my self worth and body image and everything was put in this bubble. And I can't even find the freaking results on Twitter. And when I was in that bubble, I'm like, my team director hates me. My teammates think I'm fat and ugly. And like, you know, (laughs) all these things. And I can't even find the results. And I go, what was I doing for 10 years? Like, but if we could just watch it, I mean, we can see it's a really exciting, really hard. um, And these women are incredible that race. Um, I would love to tell their stories more. So I think that there is a huge sponsorship value in that. And and then the value comes from individual stories. And this is why we have you here because you have an incredible story and you're making an impact. And so I just, I think there's obviously endless opportunity in women cycling, which is why we're on this podcast. So then it's my next hard question. Catherine didn't know I had all these hard questions. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, we both came from, um, well, all of us um, came from a lot of, you know, from very various backgrounds to find cycling. Later in life, you know, we've, you know, been doing a bunch of sports and other things and we found cycling for whatever reason. And here we are. Um, and 
I love that I had, I played tennis in college and ran and did triathlon and then found cycling and then into gravel. Like I love that part. I wouldn't trade that for the world. So I, I, sometimes I struggle and this might not be PC. So sorry, Catherine, but sometimes I do struggle with youth cycling in general because I want everyone to explore all sorts of options, but I also love how the bike has given me confidence and freedom and a platform and a voice. And so I just, would love to foster the next generation of cyclists, even if that doesn't mean they're racing at the age of 12, but you know, they're finding sport education and ways to empower themselves. So what do you think is the key to fostering that next generation of not only cyclists, I think, but strong women that want to go embark on that gravel adventure or go to them to cycle across on their old redline bike and, <laughs> and just, go have a kick-ass career in digital marketing and you know like what's your like secret sauce for that next successful generation you know I think it kind of goes back to the previous question I think you need more uh visibility for for women I mean if our young kids aren't seeing women on tv they're only seeing men they're going to think hey women don't do this or I can't do this you know they don't have those aspirational dreams to ride, you know, like Yolanda Neff on a mountain bike world race, you know? So it's, it's getting more of that visibility, I think is a big part that we need more of that. I think it's just bringing, like, like I said earlier, you know, bringing women more into that forefront through marketing, through sponsorships, through brands. Um, I think, you know, even just at the, the bigger level racing, you're starting to see like at Worlds, they opened up the U23 and bringing that in, um, you know, for women. And I think giving those those opportunities to show our, our next generation, hey, you know, there are people my age doing this. This is something I, I can do. Because I think especially with young women, um, from what my experience is, is you find so many young females who don't believe their worth. And there's such a big message about that where they, they can't even find that on the bike and you know that's got to cross over to off the bike. And so when they do find that and they explore that and they find that confidence, it's just, I mean, it can be life-changing and something that's so positive um, with these young kids. And um, we see that here with just some, some of the youth camps that we've done here with the team that I'm on here locally. But um, I think it's creating more of those, you know, kids camps, kids races, um, giving them opportunities. Okay. So I have two final questions. Catherine had no idea that I was going to like, just take over the whole show and she invited me to a drink in the kitchen. Bring <laughs> 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 you somewhere to be. Um, so two final questions. Um, I absolutely am like magnetized to your confidence and your cause. So my first my first of two final questions is um, what is, what gave you that confidence? Could you, you know, give me two or three sentences on what has brought you to this point where you felt like you could just own your shit? Oh man. I, you know, confidence I work on all the time. Uh, I have a really, I have a really great coach. I mean, she's, she works a lot with my uh, mindfulness and my mental state, uh, along with my physical. And I, I really don't think I would be in the place that I am mentally with, with bikes as a whole. Um, you know, I don't think I would ever be able to say yes to joining the internationals and doing something like riding the Tour de France. Cause it's incredibly intimidating, obviously. I mean, 200,000 elevation, but um, 
you know, having a plan and working with her has really helped build that trust and that confidence. And um, even just through racing and my experience with her has just been really wonderful. Um, okay, so I'm going to translate that to, for the women listening and men, um, having a support team, not being afraid, like, afraid to ask and supporting each other to conquer great things because that's why we're here. And I've been so fortunate to have Catherine and Christy in my life, like telling me I can go out there and kick ass when I'm like, I don't think I can. And they're like, um, yeah. that's what you do. Like, have fun. And they slap you on the rear end and you go. So I think, I think it's just not being afraid to ask and also not rejecting help and support that people give you. Um, I think that's incredible. Um, we, we want your coach's number. I might, you know, I might need a little therapy session. Hit her up. She's great. <laughs> Okay. And so my final question is, it sounds like you're on fire and you're doing so many things. So what's next? Uh, uh, I'm actually planning to do another Everest challenge. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm going to have a drink for that. I want to do it outdoors this time and just compare the two. Yeah, let's go, Allison. <laughs> I actually it's have a fine. hill. I just did this hill. Um, it's like a mile from the house here uh, with Phil Guyman the other day because it's like the perfect Everest hill. I love him. Yeah, I have his. I just got his cookie gator. Oh, nice. You're, mi you're missing the bandana. But it's I know. Awesome. I'm, I'm ordering it as soon as we get off this call. <laughs> okay, so, you're, so sorry. We interrupted you with your Everest challenge. We're going to do another Everest challenge. And we were asking what was wrong with you. But go ahead. Um, I'm doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, cyclocross is canceled, so that's not happening this fall and winter. So really, I'm just, I'm just, it's not coming. And unfortunately, it's the saddest hashtag. Uh, I don't know. I think, you know, for me, I, I want to work on endurance riding here over the winter um, and just continue to do um, some more endurance gravel events, but nothing really major on the calendar yet, but that could change by next week. So, you know, um, we'll see once they open up the, uh, I think it's October 29th. They're going to announce the tour, um, the tour for 2021. And um, from there, then the internationals will work on the team. And so hopefully that's something I get to be a part of again in 2021. Um, yeah. That would be, be amazing. Well, we'll hopefully get to follow you live next year. But yeah. where can people find you if they want to follow you or connect or ask you more questions about all these things? Um, I am on Instagram at Le Heatherette. Le Heatherette. It's so French. I'm so fancy, right? <laughs> it's L E underscore Heatherette. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I guess you can I'm hitting follow right questions now. There. Yeah, you might get yeah, some. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Heather, thank you so much for joining us tonight and talking about these important things. And I love what you're doing for women's cycling and Hopefully we'll all get to meet at a race or an event sometime soon. That's Thank you for the support. Oh, of course. Of course. Let us know if there's anything we can do. I appreciate it. This is fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. You can follow us on all the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. Gravel.com.